welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shosha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everybody listening is well. This week, I invited Scott Clark from the Gaming Outsider Podcast to join us to discuss the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, a couple of things before we get to this review slash discussion. First of all, this is not Scott Clark's first time on this podcast. He very kindly joined us back in July 2019, along with one of his co-hosts, Chris Berensmeyer, to discuss A Plague Tale Innocence and Sea of Solitude. And secondly, Final Fantasy VII, or any Final Fantasy games, as I'm sure you might know, is not an adventure game. It's a JRPG. So you might be wondering, why am I discussing Final Fantasy VII JRPG? First of all, is not to worry that we will be discussing and reviewing mainly adventure games, more classic adventure games at least. We're not going to change uh, that much. But every so often, if there are games that I believe that might appeal to adventure game fans, so if they might have a strong focus on narrative, I might discuss them with people who've played them. So in this case, Final Fantasy VII has a strong focus on narrative, And according to Scott, there is an easy setting on the remake, so that will make the combat at least very easy. And so even if you've never played a JRPG or you don't usually like uh, games with combat, you can still focus on the story with the easy setting as well. And Scott also said that on the original now, which is also available on PC, that you can remove random battles. So again, you can focus on the plot of that game if you so wish. Now, the remake of Final Fantasy VII so far is just available on consoles. I believe it's just available on PS4 now. But there are plans, I believe, to make it available on other consoles and PC in the future. So uh, with that, here is a trailer for the game, Final Fantasy VII Remake. And then it's my review discussion with Scott Clark and Thomas Beck, so please enjoy. Look, I'm involved in things. Dangerous things. So? So keep your distance. What was his name again? Cloud. Cloud Strife. This is a one-time gig. When it's done, we're done. Come on, nobody do something this crazy just for money. You gonna stand there and pretend you can't hear the plan crying out in pain? I know you can! I'd worry less about the planet and more about the next five seconds. of leaving Midgar anytime soon, were you? Well, seems this old friend of mine's in a tight spot. Long time ago, I made a promise, so... I'm really glad to have you back, Cloud. Really glad. 
This week, I am joined by Scott L. Clark from the Gaming Outsider podcast. Hello, Scott L. Clark. How are you? Well, hello there, Sorsha. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to be here. I'm looking very forward to chatting with you about Final Fantasy VII. Well, wow, you're going very professional and serious on us there. Is that, is that your normal voice that you use on the podcast? Because I'll be listening to more of them. <laughs> oh, yeah? You're getting a little turned on there, are you? A little bit there, yeah. I mean... <laughs> you're going to slow it up? And... <laughs> this is Scott L. Clark coming to you live from Rockford, Illinois. How's everybody doing tonight? Well, when I take people listening around the world, we'll be like, wow, we want to listen to this this guy more often. So, And this is not the first time uh, you've joined us. Jo- you joined us before, I think back, back in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, you joined us with Chris Berensmeyer, who unfortunately couldn't uh, join us today. Yeah, we uh, were but talking about uh, that French game. A Plague Tale Innocence. Plague Tale Innocence, yeah. Which I am, cur- which I am currently playing at uh, time recording. It's it's really good. That's a fantastic game, as as you could go back and listen to and hear us talk about it on that one. I, I Unfortunately, I never finished it. Uh, yeah. CB was was reviewing that one for us, and I moved on to something else um, after before I completed it. So I, I really should remedy that. By the way, shout out to CB, Chris yes. Berensmeyer from my podcast. He's actually out in New York right now. He is an EMT, and he got deployed by FEMA, so he is on the front lines in the worst hotspot in the United States right now. He's working 12-hour shifts and then eight hours of rest, and he's been doing it nonstop for two or three weeks. Uh, I think he's up to like 260 hours straight of on the clock right now. So he is... Incredible. That's... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, shout out definitely to to Chris Berensmeyer, or CB as you call him. For, well, we have two Chris's on my team, so to differentiate, <laughs> we call one of them Chris and one of them CB. Okay, well, uh, he's definitely shout out to him and all the frontline workers and healthcare workers and anybody who goes out to work because never have I been so happy to be non-essential, as I said in the podcast before. I'm so happy now to be told to stay at home. Like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm in the same boat, although I am, I, I teach fourth grade here in the States and we are doing distance learning. So I prepare lessons online. My students submit things online and we meet up once a day on a, on a Zoom conference call just to check in and I read them a chapter of a book and it's, it's, it's interesting, it's challenging, but uh, it's a lot less work than it is being in the classroom for six hours a day. Nice. Okay. Because I think everyone is trying to adapt to new kind of lifestyle, a new way of working, because same with myself, all my work um, is my my day job is at the office. And now obviously we can't go there. So we're having to adapt and learn how to work uh, from home now in that particular work. Yeah. So, Hey, who's um, this other guy here? Yeah, there's someone else is joining us. I don't know if you know him, Scott. I don't know if I know him. He says his name is Sephiroth. <laughs> Sephiroth. <laughs> Sephiroth. Hello, Sephiroth. How are you? I don't know if people have heard you on a podcast before. Well, I just decided to change my name into something that is uh, appropriate to the uh, topic of discussion today. I I'm impressed you spelled no Sephiroth idea. correctly, considering you've never played Final Fantasy <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 
that's what we're going to talk about because the reason why, well, one of the reasons why I invited Scott is as much because I wanted to talk to him again, but also because you are our expert on Final Fantasy VII, which I is, don't know if I'd say an expert. <laughs> well, more so than myself and Thomas. I did play the original when it was first out many years ago. And um, so this is not really an adventure game. It's an RPG, a JRPG, but we are cheating a little bit because the folk, well, this has a strong narrative, at least the original did. And it was also a very important game in the games industry. It, I would say it was a game, a game changer. So how many times have you played Final Fantasy VII, Thomas? Um, that would be a total of zero. <laughs> wow. So you're going to contribute a lot to this <laughs> to this conversation today, I see. <laughs> I represent everybody who has no idea what Scott is talking about, so I'm going to be asking the hard questions. That's good, though. I think th- I- I'm coming to find that there is a shockingly high number of people that have never played Final Fantasy VII. Obviously, really? everybody is talking about it with the remake coming out, but I am stumbling across more and more people that have never played it. So I I think it's awesome you're here, man, because you can ask the questions that those people are going to want to ask about whether or not they should dive into it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So you can be the, so which one of us will be good cop and bad cop then? (laughs) Uh, We will be, I will be good cop, you will be better cop. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I like that. Well, um, as we as we mentioned, uh, we're going to be discussing Final Fantasy VII, particularly the remake here. But uh, Scott, so did you play did you play Final Fantasy VII the original when it was first out? I believe it was nineteen ninety seven. Uh, I did. I, I don't. I didn't play it in ninety seven. I didn't get it until either a year or two afterwards. Uh, there's a little bit of history with my first time playing this game. I wasn't allowed to play role playing games when I was a kid. My uh, mother was a very religious woman who listened to uh, radio evangelists who one in particular said that role-playing games uh, told her that role-playing games have subliminal messages in them that uh, that make kids want to kill themselves or hurt other people. That was and, the uh, uh, satanic panic of the 80s, right? Yes. If you remember, there you could even go look on YouTube and see some of the uh, things on TV where these people were talking about how these games, you know, because they have magic and demons and stuff in that, that they are trying to pervert people. And, and it's just, it is crazy. It was so bad when I was a kid, I wanted to play final fantasy so badly. I literally wrote square. This is back before square was square Enix. It was just square. And I uh, told them about my problem and said, I, I think I was 16, 17 years old. And I said, listen, I really want to play your game. My mom won't let me because she heard on the radio that there are subliminal messages in your game. Will you please write me back and uh, tell her that it is safe to play your games? And, you know, this is back in the mid to late 90s when there was no Internet like it is today. So trying to find an address to mail, to physically mail a letter was a lot tougher than it is today. So I didn't really expect to get any kind of answer, but would you believe that I did square wrote me back? I got a letter and the letter said, thank you for your interest. Uh, you know, let your mother know our games are safe to play. It is not in our interest to do anything to harm our customers because we want them to buy more games and uh, hope, hope you enjoy it. Blah, blah, blah. So I showed this letter to my mom and her response was, well, this is just proof that those games have a hold on you. So you're definitely not playing. Because you went oh, to those no. lengths to do it. You're definitely not playing these. Oh, up. no. That's... So 
that's why it took me so long to get into to actually playing it. But when I did, holy cow, man, I I, I absolutely loved it so so much. Uh, this is one of three Final Fantasy games that I've actually completed, and I actually did the weird nerd thing and maxed out every character to level ninety nine. Uh, wow. By just grinding over and over again, just because I wanted to go up against the ruby weapon and the emerald weapon uh, with his with as little difficulty as possible, and just just loved it. Well, and how long did that take you? I don't remember. I actually didn't do the <laughs> I didn't do the regrind until my second playthrough when I was an adult, and uh, you know this was before I was married. Right. I just sat in my apartment and <laughs> I, I remember vividly, I don't know if you remember, there's an area where it was really good to grind. There was like an underwater sunken ship and there were these swinging pendulum enemies that gave the best experience. And I just sat in, in there and did it over and over and over again for hours and hours because I wanted to max out just to see if I could do it. It's the only RPG I've ever done that with. You liked it then, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Uh, back when I wasn't allowed to play it, there was a demo disc that had the opening sequence from Final Fantasy VII. That was all I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. I played that opening sequence over and over and over again. Memorized every nook and cranny where all the treasure chests were. Fought that same boss over and over again. It, you know, that was, that was all I could get. Is, is that the part in the factory, the beginning of it? The bombing mission, yes. The bombing mission. Yes. Well, no, keep in mind it's been about 23 years. I mean, I played it around 97, 98 mm -hmm. when it first came out. So it's been a while since I've played it. But it's a testament to the game that I still remember parts of it. Okay. Uh, because my memories, I mean, I don't obviously don't remember all of it or much of it. And I played it when I was very young, when I was a kid myself. I played it with a friend of mine. And we we didn't really understand the story much because we were just very young. But I remember, holy cow, you know, this is really impressive. And I played this before I started playing adventure games. Mm -hmm. But I really loved the story and the characters of, you know, Cloud and Barrett and Tiffany and Eris and then, uh, then going to all the Tifa, yes. And going to and then Red uh, was pretty cool as well. Red 13, um, yeah. Yes, yes. And then going to all the different locations. There's even a location, which is, is it Costa del Sol? That I found quite funny. That was um, the beach area. That's way yes. later in the game. Yes. Uh, but what happened to me was, when we were playing it, I don't know exactly what happened, but we got to the very end, which I'm obviously not going to spoil. Still no spoilers, because with the remake and all, it's probably going to have a new fan base now playing this game. So the last thing I want to do is give any spoilers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the story is one of the best elements of Final Absolutely. Fantasy VII. And for people like Thomas, who've never played it, and I hope at some point he would give it a shot, it's, it's difficult to recommend the original nowadays just because it looks right. <laughs> it looks very muddy and some of the uh some of the areas are are very difficult to uh to navigate because of the way that the graphics were and the and the technological def, uh limitations at the time and plus like the random encounters just it's just something that i'm not interested in dealing with anymore yeah you know, it, Especially when the when the combat just isn't as fun anymore, if it gets very very repetitious. Yeah, that's but, my least favorite part of the game: mm -hmm. the random encounters. I, I I would have preferred it without combat, and then I discovered adventure games. So. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I know we're going to talk about the remake here in just a second. There actually is 
a mode on the remake, which is available only on PS4 right now, that is an easy mode. That if you want to just experience the story and not have to worry about the battles, uh, it's it's I haven't played it for sure, or, or I haven't played it personally, but I've I've been told that it is so incredibly easy that it's just basically like walking through and, and experiencing the story. So you can oh, play it that way. Perfect for me. <laughs> yeah. For me and, too, probably. Uh, <laughs> I would I would recommend uh, both of you do that if you do decide to take this up. It's uh, it starts out relatively easy, but it gets it gets more difficult. It's and, tougher, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm well, I I've died like twice, I think, so far. But I'm getting ahead okay, of myself. So, sorry. So that would probably be if you die twice, then at least I would probably die at least fifteen times. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got an interesting battle system that uh, I adore, but we'll we'll get into that when we talk about the remake. Sure, yeah, and you're we'll still talk talking about the original. What is the because we're talking about JRPG and I'm I don't think I've ever really played JRPGs. I'm, I'm more of a, a, a yeah quote unquote normal RPG kind of guy like the Baldur's Gate games and stuff like that. And I've never played those. Yeah. So what is the big difference between uh, JRPG and uh, European RPGs or Western RPGs? The biggest difference is going to be the combat, which is uh, decidedly turn based. So instead of it being a lot of action, instead of it being um, tactical, like on a grid base, I'm, I, I haven't played the Baldur's Gate game, so I can't speak to those. But yeah, when you go in, early fallouts, early fallouts were turn based. They were turn based, yeah. Oh, okay. Fallout, Fallout one and two isometric turn based. Gotcha. So in in a JRPG, you wander around, and all of a sudden, you'll get attacked, and the screen will kind of swirl. And then you, it switches view into a combat view. And in, in most cases, you'll have the your characters or your party on one side, and the other side will be the enemies. And you basically take turns uh, hitting each other. You know, uh, And you have a choice of either attacking or using magic or defending or using an item or whatever options they give you in the game. Um, most games have like some kind of time limit as to how long it takes you to recharge to be able to do another turn, but uh, there's obviously been several variations on it. Is the uh, combat comparable to like games like Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes or Marvel Strike Force? I've not played either of those as well. Um, I, I, I wish Zach were here. He's he loves both <laughs> of those games. Uh, okay, I, it sounds it sounds very much the same. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, and. Uh, um, no, I remember the, the combat, as you mentioned, the random battles, which, as I mentioned, was the least favorite part of, of the game for me. Mm -hmm. And um, and then there's all, all, another thing that I found interesting about Final Fantasy VII is that you also have choices to make during the game. And there's some that are more important and then others. I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that you can go on a date with a character. Mm -hmm. And there are different options as well. And actually, when I played it with my best friend at the time, we actually got into a bit of an argument back when we would argue about, you know, stupid things like uh, in, in the games. And we there was a character that asked you, do you like me? And then I said, oh, say yes. But he then said no. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't get to go on a date with her. And I was furious. I was like, OK, why, why did he say no? Um, but what? What can you tell us about the, um, the story? You know, because everyone talks about the story of Final Fantasy VII, or at least the setup of the game, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and why 
this is this remains but 23 years later so popular. So what can you tell us uh, about the setup or the story? Well, the story takes place in a fictional world and the name of the world is escaping me. But the majority of the beginning of the story takes place in a city in that world called Midgar. And Midgar is split up into two sections. You've got the upper class, which is not only uh, talking about their status, but also physically they are an upper class because the city is split up into two sections. Uh, the top half is sitting on top of these giant, massive plates. If you imagine like a a, a, a wheel, each in each wheel, each spoke of the wheel is a is a metal plate that's held up by pillars. And then the there are people in the lower class that literally live on the bottom half of the city. So there is a uh, the earth has this life force called Mako. It is basically the lifeblood of the planet. And there is a corporation called Shinra that is harvesting Mako in order to use it for power. It's basically how they use to power the city, to power everything. And there is a group of would you call them bio bio not bioterrorists but uh, they're they're basically people that believe that they're destroying the planet by using all this mako and they want to stop shinra from from using this mako to because they think they believe it's destroying the planet that group is called avalanche so the game opens up and there is a group of avalanche members that are going to one of the mako reactors in one of the sections of midgar city to destroy it because they want to stop all this from happening. And amongst them is a mercenary by the name of Cloud Strife. And Cloud has a clouded history, which you learn about through the rest of the game. Uh, he's in, he's a former soldier from Shinra. So he actually was a first-class soldier. Uh, he's since left for reasons that we find out later in the game. And, uh, uh, and he, like he's just a merc for hire. Like he's just working for a paycheck at this point. And then the story kind of goes from there. Uh, he meets in, in Avalanche's Barrett as well as uh, Tifa's not in that group. Who else is in that group? It's just Barrett and Jesse and Biggs and Wedge on that first run. Which, by the way, Biggs and Wedge are in every Final Fantasy game. And, yes. and are, are those characters uh, new characters or are they coming in from earlier fan Final Fantasies or how do all these parts, uh, all these separate uh, sequels uh, match together? Well, the way Final Fantasy works is that each game is a completely separate story from all the others. So even though this is Final Fantasy VII, this is the first time that you will have seen any of these characters. They've never appeared in any Final Fantasy game before. Now, that's not to say that we don't have some sequels in the Final Fantasy universe. Final Fantasy X had Final Fantasy X-2. Uh, Final Fantasy XIII actually had two sequels as well. But with an actual new individual number, it's always brand new characters, a brand new story. Uh, the connections are things like I talked about. There's always a character named Biggs. There's always a character named Wedge. There's always a character named Sid. Uh, the potions, the ethers, potions are a way that you replenish your health. Ethers are the way that you replenish your magic. Phoenix downs are the way that you revive uh, members that have uh, passed, that have died. Uh, there's always moogles. There's always chocobos. And there, there, there's just certain elements that are always present in every game. A moogle is like this mythical creature uh, that has something to do with happy. It's like a legend 
in the in the world of Final Fantasy. Uh, chocobos are like these big; they look like big yellow chickens that people use to either ride like horses or to pull carriages. Uh, there's it's it's like a big deal in the Final Fantasy world that all these tiny little elements are always present in every game in some capacity. And can, you can breed the chocobos. I remember something. Can you at least in, in Final, Final Fantasy VII? Yes, you can. There's actually a uh, there's a materia, which materia is, they're like these stones that are infused with Mako energy that uh, you basically put into your weapons and armor that give you magical abilities. And one of the magical abilities you get is called a summon, where you summon this massive creature to help fight alongside you. And there is a materia called the it's the Knights of the Round, which is an intense, it will just kill, it'll kill the final boss in one hit. It's it's literally a three minute animation for this summon to go when you're in battle, but I like I remember. said, <laughs> it, it will it will kill the final boss in one hit. But in order to get that material, you have to go through this chocobo breeding, where you it's it's insane how much work it is to do it because you have to you have to breed the certain colored chocobo with another certain chocobo, and then the new one you have to breed that one with another. It's it's just crazy. I don't even remember how to do it. I did it when I was a kid, and and uh, I'm really curious to see if they if they actually do that in the remake at some point. Yeah, I, I remember when I was playing it with my friend, and I wanted to concentrate on the story and the narrative, but he he enjoyed actually breeding the chocobos and uh, riding chocobos in the races, so that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. But then I kept telling him, look, I, I, I really want to continue the story. But so no, no, just one more. Just go back to the chocobos, and so um, it, uh, you know, you're bringing back memories there as well. Yeah. And w- w- weren't there movies based on Final Fantasy VII? I think I remember seeing something. There was uh, an animated movie called uh, Advent Children, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Right. Yes. Which had the characters from Final Fantasy. It had uh, you know Cloud and Barrett, Aerith, all those. It didn't retell the story. It was kind of an after story. And uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. I I, I think it might have been a loss in translation kind of thing where, you know, they translate it from Japanese to English. I just felt more confused by the whole story after watching that than than anything. But it was pretty cool to see those characters on the screen in full action that wasn't PS1 graphics. So it's worth a watch. Yeah, it looked. And was there another cutscene of... uh... Cloud Strife. I may be confusing this with the remake, but I thought I saw something which at least had Cloud in it, that there was a mini movie, like a very short movie or a very short scene. It may be the remake. I don't know. I may be confusing that with the remake. But as you say, it was really nice to see the characters again in what um, in good graphics. There but, was also uh, an animated movie that was completely separate from any Final Fantasy game. It was called The Spirits Within. Final yes, Fantasy The that, Spirits yes. Within. And there's a novel as well. What's that? that? There's a there's a book, a novel based on the movie as well. I have not read it. Uh, I didn't even know it existed until you just said that. But it was it was a decent movie. It had some some I liked like, it, yeah. Like Steve Buscemi was in it. Um and yeah. <laughs> at the time it looked incredible. Mm. I, I haven't watched it in years, but it was it was very much a it had the tropes of a of a JRPG, like you had to collect seven of whatever and you know of these spirits. And I, I I loved it when I was younger, but just because it had Final Fantasy, I don't think if it had the name Final Fantasy attached to it, I probably ever right. would have watched it. I watched yeah. it. 
Did, did you like it? I, I think I even owned it on DVD, and I remember being impressed by it and not understanding anything of it. <laughs> yeah, I was the same. I think I didn't really follow the story, and, which is basically also the problem I always have with these JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they look fantastic, or uh, and um, but I, I just can't get into them. Hmm. Maybe that changes with these remakes, but yeah, uh, yeah, we could. It's not. A, it's not it's definitely not the same effect on me as it has on you, uh, Scott. Well, I'm very much a numbers guy. Uh, I I like seeing numbers and stats go up. Uh, I'm of the mind of I'm willing to do things in games that other people aren't. And that feels very rewarding for me, you know, to it's, it's very cool to be able to tweak your stats and whatever you want to. And if you do mind numbing tasks, like grinding and, and trying to get your numbers up, it's going to make the game very easy for you to go through, and that feels awesome. Or you get some extra ability or power or magic, and uh, it, it's there's a very rewarding sensation of doing that that I love. But I understand that not everybody loves as well. Yeah, for example, that's what put me off about well, Final Fantasy VII and RPGs in general because I wanted mainly more gameplay and the story. Did but, you ever finish um, the game? Yes, uh, what what actually happened, what I was going to say as well, is that when I first started playing it with my, uh, with my friend, we, uh, we got to the final boss battle, but then I don't know what happened. I don't know if we lost the save or if it was a bug, but we never actually finished it. I think we lost the save game. And I think we... You know, we were like, we're not going to replay this. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way. As good as it was. So then a couple of years later, when YouTube came about, I then watched the ending mm-hmm. on YouTube. And um, so you could say I finished it that way eventually. But uh, because it was, you know, with the, with the final battle and very climactic. And then I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think we just lost everything. Mm-hmm. And you know how long the game is? Which at the time, it was what, like four, five, six discs. And we both were like, "No, we're not. We're not doing this." So then I it was actually played. three discs on the, three on the discs. PS One. Yep. Yes, yes. So I think uh, eventually I saw the the end scene again, but again that was uh, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, do Do you have any favorite character or characters in the game that you particularly Man. like more than others? <laughs> Or do well, I it's hard to, I mean, Cloud is the easy answer. He's just, he's, right. <laughs> he's got the coolest weapon, that giant buster sword that doesn't make any sense to wield. Uh, it's massive, right? <laughs> he, it's kind of cool. I don't know why I like him just being brooding. Like he's just, he's mm. not like a happy-go-lucky character at all. Like you're, you're used to in most JRPGs, you know, oh, there's some plucky young lad that's been tasked with saving the world and he's so excited to do it. No, uh, Cloud is troubled. And you don't really find out why till later, which is the really awesome story elements of this. When you learn about Cloud's history, what happened to him when he was working for Shinra and his relationship with Sephiroth, uh, who was also in Soldier and was his superior. And what leads up to that is just at the time it was it was fascinating. And as I'm experiencing it in the remake, I'm I'm just right back at home and and I can't wait to see how it plays out. I uh, I understand that uh, Tifa is quite a favorite character amongst cosplayers. Well, she's mm. she's she's dressed very I wouldn't say provocatively, <laughs> uh, but she you know she's got like a very short skirt and her midriff is showing, so you know she's she's got a very tight 
top on. I, I think that was a, a big plus for her. I don't know if, I mean, her character is good too, but it's, it, it, it's, she's not so good by herself. Like to me, Tifa and Cloud's relationship is, is very awesome because they grew up together. Uh, well before he was in Soldier, actually, you, you see some cutscenes of them together when they were kids, which is really cool. Even in the PS1 days, you saw young versions of the characters that we've been playing as in flashbacks, and they're having conversations and uh, and and their their interactions were very touching, and the music and everything was just great. And so Tifa works better with Cloud, but again, Cloud is is an easy favorite. Barrett always threw me for a loop because again, my, my 16 year, 17 year old sensitive ears that was not allowed to listen to anything with swearing in it. Um, <laughs> and Barrett swore, but everything was, was like bleeped out because it was all text-based back in the nineties, right? It was no voice acting. Uh, so they would not bleeped out, but they'd use like symbols to replace mm. when he would say words. You, you obviously knew what he said. Uh, but he was he was always angry, but Aerith was was always my favorite. I think outside of Cloud, just because she was so sweet, she was a, oh. a positive ray of sunshine in a in a world that was just full of darkness, and she always looked for the bright side of every situation. And the dichotomy between her and Cloud worked really well, and uh, that that's even exacerbated more in the in the remake. Nice. I remember uh, Red 13 as well, who you meet later on, who I particularly liked. And then his backstory was really interesting as well. Yes, he was a cool cat. Yep. No pun intended. Actually, it was. Totally <laughs> uh, I, I just loved how I, I feel like a lot of J JRPGs, there's always one character that speaks in a foreign tongue or, or, or it's just very cool and collected. Red 13 was just always... I'm going to speak very straightforward and, and I'm a nice guy. And I just, he was, he was awesome. Wasn't my favorite mm -hmm. character to play as, but I appreciate right. his character. Yeah. He no, was I a remember... literal cat. He was. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, well it was like a, not, not like a cat, like a house cat. It was a, a cat like creature, uh, bigger than a house. Yeah. Cat. Wasn't it like a coyote or something? I don't know. Like a, yeah, yeah it, it looked like a wild coyote or, or, yeah. If a cat, you took a cat and a tiger, or I mean a coyote and a tiger and mixed them together, or a coyote and a lion. Probably it looks like a, a Scooby Doo. <laughs> I can see that in the face, cat. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if Scooby Doo were a cat. Yeah. Definitely not <laughs> the character of Scooby Doo. He was. No, 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 no. Very different. Very hyper intelligent. Um, it was man. It was a cool character. I mean, I mean, having that Cosmo Canyon song stuck on my head now, just hearing the name Red Thirteen. By the way, uh, okay. Well, can we talk about that for a minute? By the way, go ahead. The, yes, the music in Final Fantasy VII, in which the original, is, yes, in the original, yes, it's it's yes. compounded in the remake, but the music is one of the most iconic things about the original Final Fantasy VII. It, I mean, there are themes, much like John Williams did individual themes for characters in Star Wars, each character had its own theme song in Final Fantasy VII as well, and they're so iconic. And it might be a nostalgia thing for me, but when I hear those songs, I just think of that character. I'm immediately brought back to my, my teenage years when I was playing this game and how much I love these characters, and it's, uh, it's so good. I don't even know which to tell you is my favorite. 
It's just it, it all works together so well. I'll have to listen to to them again. I don't particularly remember myself, but again, it was a long, long time ago. But uh, yeah, now I have to listen back. Now you said that the now maybe Final Fantasy VII might not have aged particularly well. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the remake. Is there any particular? reason or reasons why people mightn't enjoy it now as they did i, I know it's an old game well it's actually available on modern consoles you can they recently and made on PC final as well, I think. what's that and on pc i think it's available it's actually available on xbox one and ps4 as well they the uh within the last right. 12 months they've made them available and i went back and played final fantasy 7 the original on xbox one just because i wanted i was excited about the remake being announced and i want to go back and relive that and I mean, the battle system still works great. The materia system is is very intuitive, but you know it's very polygonal, and they've cleaned up the graphics considerably. But it still feels very PS One era game. Uh, navigating, I don't know if you remember Sorsa, but navigating some of those areas like the train yard, mm, and yeah. uh, it's it's just very disorienting because the the graphics looked incredible. They they looked stunning. They were going for this realistic look but then you throw you slap on top of it a polygonal character with spiky hair and yeah uh, and square <laughs> hands it just it's very distorting and it's very difficult to uh to navigate some of those areas and and find anything but there are moments of that in the remake too but not nearly to the to to the to the level of the original Cool. So, uh, well, that brings us nicely to the remake then, which was released just uh, what time recording just last week or something, just a few days ago. Time recording. It was actually yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, have you finished it yet? <laughs> I have not finished it, and I'm embarrassed to say that uh, I've I've put about twenty hours into this game. Wow. Since it released, Damn. it actually released on Thursday night for me about eleven o'clock, and I I. As soon as the stroke went, I uh, I started playing it and played for a couple hours before going to bed. You and then yesterday, pre- preloaded it. Yes, I had it pre-installed, and uh, and then just started playing immediately. Now the beginning was the same thing that we got to play in the demo, so I was already very familiar. I basically played through that, and then just went to bed because I wanted to start fresh in the morning. And and about seven o'clock, I I turned it on and then uh, kept going and finally quit about ten or eleven last night. And then I've been playing all morning as well. So I'm, wow. <laughs> I'm a wee bit obsessed yeah. with this game. Yeah. I Part of it is that I, would, I, I have a goal in my head to try to finish it before we record on Monday. I don't know if that's going to be attainable. I've heard it's like a 40-hour game. But uh, I'm absolutely loving every minute of this game, guys. I, I know that neither of you have near the nostalgia that I do for it. But there is something absolutely stunning and beautiful about seeing all of these areas that I know and love from playing the game in the original just completely redone. I'm walking through areas of Midgar that were nothing when I was a kid. And I, and I think that's an important point to make here is when we talk about a remake, this is not just a straight up you know, fresh coat of paint on this, or, you know, they've just done up some of the characters. This is a completely brand new game built up from the ground up. It plays nothing like the original. Uh, and and it it's, it's a joy. It's a joy if you, especially if you're a fan of the original. 
Cool, that's great Great to hear that it's not just splashing a fresh coat of paint on it. And oh, no. Saying, oh, uh, this, is, this is a remake, and it's not just a um, cash grab. It sounds like they put in a lot of work into it. They put in a ton of work. The game doesn't even play the same. We, we talked about JRPGs. This one actually is a combination of a JRPG and an action RPG. I don't know if either of you played uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen, but it... No. Okay, well, the, the gameplay is is probably closest to Final <laughs> Fantasy Fifteen in terms of the combat, but it's still its own animal. So when you go into combat, first off, there's not random battle encounters. You don't have the swirling screen that brings you to a new battle. There are just enemies in the screen, and you approach them, and then it, it just enters battle without even skipping a beat. And at its core, it's an action game. It's a hack and slash. So you are hacking and slashing with your with whatever weapon you have equipped, but you have what's called an ATB meter, which stands for active time battle. So below every character is a little meter. Depending on what level they are, there could be two segments, there could be three segments, could be four segments. And it slowly, over time, fills up. If you, if you make attacks, it fills up faster. And then once at least one segment is filled up completely, then you are able to go to the... It's not a pause screen. I can't remember what it's called, but you press the X button on PlayStation and it brings up a menu. And at this point, you have the choice to choose your abilities, choose magic, choose items, just like you do in a JRPG. And it's, it doesn't really stop time. It kind of sl- hyper slows down time. So you've got plenty of time to choose what you want to do next. And this is where you can choose your magical abilities uh, and, and, and so forth. It's such a perfect combination of action RPG and JRPG that works way better than I ever imagined when I first saw this thing announced seven years ago. It's it's great to play because it make it melds the action that we all love in action RPGs, but also allows you that tactical advantage to be able to make smart moves uh, like you're used to doing in a JRPG, and it's it's an absolute joy to play. Cool, I'm delighted to hear. Yeah, I'm delighted to hear that the random battles are no longer there because it's even the sound. I would go to bed just dream, dreaming of the sound that it made when you would meet uh, when you're just trying to explore and just trying to go on with the game and the story mm-hmm. and I just <laughs> but um, yes that's the sound yes and it's uh, but it's great it's great to to hear and there's voice acting as well in in the new game what what's that like is that is that good is that you say high quality or or what's that like that's an interesting question about this game because there is not a shred of dialogue in this game that is not voice acted you know sometimes wow. you, you play a jrpg and like the cutscenes will have voice acting but there's a lot of text dialogue where there's no voice acting this game 100 percent, every single shred even just like the npcs that are that are in the city as you walk past them have voice acting dialogue now it's very hit or miss for me there are some characters that I think are voiced very, very well. I think Cloud is fantastic. I think uh, I think Tifa is really good. Barrett's very good. But some of the minor characters make it feel very much like a Japanese game. And I don't mean that to sound like Japanese games are, are bad. But you know how like Japanese games have that... I don't know what, what you even call it, but Japanese games love to make characters make grunting noises at yes, random points for no, for no reason like in, instead of like saying words they'll just go uh, or hmm, 
Like it's just over and over again. That's that's a bit annoying. But for me, a lot of the character voices don't match up with what the character looks like. And I can't decide if that's because they actually don't look like the character or if it's just not the voice that matches up when I think of that character. You know how like when you're a kid and, and you're reading text, but you're hearing a, vo- a certain voice in your head about what that character probably sounds like? I can't decide yeah. if that's the reason I don't like some of these or or if it's actually just poor quality. Are they um, voiced like in Japanese or are they voiced by Western uh, or English language uh, actors? They are English language actors. I believe there is a setting, and I have not tested this to see for sure, but most games like this allow you to play them subtitled with the original Japanese. And that may be something to to consider, but there are some voice actors in here that I really like a lot. Uh, John DiMaggio is in this game. I don't know if you remember the character Heidegger. He was like the chief of security for Shinra. Yes, Uh, I think I vaguely, yes, yes. He's like a big fat guy with a beard he wasn't the original he was a big fat guy with the beard so it's 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 very obvious that it's john dimaggio it sounds exactly like uh uh what's his name marcus phoenix from from gears of war or bender from from futurama it's it's the same it's the same voice but uh, that's pretty funny uh also the some of the voice the the lip movement just doesn't match up and and I know I'm being hypercritical here, and I hate to talk crap about a game that I love, but it looks like a PS2 game in the way that the the mouth movement matches up with the voices. Like as much money and as much detail as they put into this game, that's one thing that I feel like wasn't uh, wasn't. But have you? They, looked, they didn't put as much love into it. Have you checked that with the Japanese? Uh, I haven't, language? and because and it I might should. Well, be perfect with the Japanese language. Mm. It might be. And I've actually thought about that while I was playing through it. I wonder if, like, if I play this in Japan, but but the mouth movement really looks like they're trying to match it up to what they're saying in, in English. It just doesn't work as well. So I don't, I'm not certain. Um, yeah, that's a possibility. They're going to ask you that. Maybe in Japanese, the lip syncing is good, but maybe in English, they couldn't get it right, uh, perfect. But, um, uh, then the the graphics. I pre- I assume they've updated the graphics at least from screenshots that that I've seen. How does that work for you compared to modern uh, games, AAA games, or any other games that you tend to play? How does that compare? It looks stunning, man. It is just absolutely incredible. And I understand that I'm wearing nostalgia glasses when I say this. <laughs> so part of it is just me being giddy with excitement, walking around in a full. 3D realized world that I pictured in my head when I was a kid because in the PS1 era it wasn't 3D it was kind of this isometric view and you just kind of went from place to place now I'm actually walking around in the sector 7 slums I'm walking around in the in the sector 5 reactor area and I'm seeing tiny little pieces uh, of of things that were in the original game and it is it's just absolutely amazing to to be there. I feel like I'm playing the game and and realizing it as the way I pictured it in my head when I was a kid. You know, because you have to kind of use your imagination when the graphics look as crappy as they did back in the PS1 era, although they looked great at the time, but a lot of the the joy that you got from playing that was stuff that you put together in your head. And now I'm actually seeing the things I put in my head put in a fully 3d world and i feel like 
what was in my head 23 years ago is now actually on my screen. And it's just an absolute joy to experience. Every time I come across, some of the dialogue and everything is even the exact same, but you're actually hearing voice actors say it. And it's like, oh, I'm home. I'm home. It's great. Oh, yeah. And I can can imagine. I mean, being adventure game fans that Thomas and I are, you know, we we know a thing or two about nostalgia as well. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. uh, The genre kind of relies on nostalgia. But I think it's, from what I'm hearing, from what I've seen, I think Final Fantasy VII, from what I'm hearing, works both ways. And if you've played the original, at least it's, uh, you should enjoy it, that they haven't messed with the original. It doesn't kind of destroy the original, which I'm sure was a concern for many people. Mm-hmm. But likewise, if you've never played Final Fantasy VII, you should still enjoy this just as much as what, what I'm getting as well. I Would think so, yes. True, There's or, actually yeah. a, a ton of extra content in this as well. The original Final Fantasy game from start to finish, if you did every single thing, is probably like between 90 and 120 hours the entire game. You could you could probably realistically beat it in like 50 or 60 if you don't want to do every single thing. But this first game, and I say first game because there's going to be, I believe, three games in this to tell the entire story. This version that we got yesterday is only the first third or the first arc of a story, which um, if you remember from the original Sorsha, was this game ends basically when they leave Midgar. Yes, yes, I remember that. Now. Which Again, in the original, back to me. <laughs> which in the original probably took you 12, 15 hours maybe to get out of Midgar. And they've somehow managed to make this a 30 or 40 hour experience just in that wow. section. And one of the ways they did that is they've actually added a bunch of extra content as well. There are missions, there are story beats that were never in the original. Uh, there's one mission in particular. You remember the character Jesse? She was an, a, a part of Avalanche at the beginning. Yes. Very minor character. You you just see her on occasion. There is an entire mission where you go off with Jesse and Biggs and Wedge to get a bomb for one of the bombing runs for Sector 5 that was never in the original. And you get these awesome character moments. You get a whole new mission. It feels like you are playing... Uh, a, a DLC portion for a game. Like say Final Fantasy VII Remake released and then and then months afterwards they they came up with some DLC to tell some of the side story. That's what this feels like. It plays like that. I mean, you still get the experience and everything, but it is high quality and it's it's great. It's it's There's so much more fun stuff to do. Do, do they do that thing that I often see in... Um... Uh, anime and Japanese games where you have like uh, where it's drawn all serious and all of a sudden it's all cartoony and then they go back to serious again. Like no, the, the graphical style stays pretty much the same throughout. Now, I'm not going to say that there's not some some weird elements because it is a Final Fantasy game. It's it's hard not to play a Final Fantasy game without there being some element of weird. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't want to spoil anything. I'm trying very hard not to spoil anything, but I just finished a boss battle that was a random enemy encounter in the original game that they that they turned into a boss fight in this. And it's so bizarre and so out there. But as a fan of the original game, I love that they stuck that in there. And I won't tell you what it is unless you want me to tell you off the air. But uh, it was it was so weird. But because I remembered that 
particular it was just a random normal enemy and they turned it into a boss and made it this this glorious spectrum of weird it was it was great cool and yeah no, it sounds like they've added a, a lot of content as well for so you could spend a long long time into it so it's kind of kind of sounds like the original had three discs well this also has now three parts uh, right. so kind of like the three the three discs but well, and who knows like when that, we're gonna get the second one it could be another three years oh yes i mean especially with everything that's that's going on now as well um mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how that's going to play into any delays and then then finally then as well because i, I know that you've spoken that you're a big fan of the original uh, we, we've spoken about how if you haven't played the original you should still enjoy it but if you're since this is the adventure games podcast, if you usually play adventure games or if you've never played a JRPG or if you don't uh, usually play games with a lot of con- con- um, combat, if you play games mainly for story or for puzzles or gameplay, um, would would you recommend this? Do you think that people would still be able to enjoy this game? So is this game accessible to non-fans of JRPGs or the original Final Fantasy VII, uh, would you say? I would say absolutely. I mean, fans are going to obviously want to play this because of the nostalgia for it. However, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, there mm-hmm. is an easy mode built right. into the game. And I, I uh, there's an article by a certain publication that was released yesterday that was complaining about how the easy mode oh. was too easy. And that don't play it on easy. That that <laughs> that article seriously drives me crazy. Because the reason you have an easy mode in there is for people that don't that aren't interested in playing it, that would rather just have like an interactive story where they, but rather than just watching a movie, feel like they're a part of it. And again, I haven't played the easy mode, but if it's as easy as they're saying it is, more power to you. Who cares if you don't if you don't have the the ability to or, or have the skill to do all the difficult battles because some of them are tough. They take some dexterity. They take some planning. Um, I will say there's some minor puzzles in this game, but nothing to the level of an adventure game like the guys that you guys talk about on this show, where you're, uh, you know, you know, you know, I don't know, puzzle pieces or you know, clicking on things like like Resident Evil style puzzles or anything like that. It's nothing like that. Just some very very minor stuff that doesn't take a whole lot of dexterity, but. Uh, Highly recommend it. This is a story that people need to experience. And I think that's why this easy mode was put in there because they want people to experience it. So if you have access to a PS4 and have access to someone that has this game, when they're not playing it, give it a go because it is some of the best characters in a video game I've seen in a long time. It's a fantasy story. It's magic. It's goofy stuff. Some of the stuff won't make any sense. But they tell it in a way that that gets your gets the juices flowing in terms of mystery. It really makes you wonder what's going on. And when you start seeing things unveiled and see how things play out, you understand why Cloud is the way he is. Uh, you, you understand why Tifa is the way she is and why she why their relationship is so important to the story. And that's a lot of things that we don't get in video games uh, as much anymore. And, and and it's told in such a beautiful fashion in a way that is stunning to see that I think anybody that even doesn't play JRPGs or RPGs in general uh, would be able to find some fun in this game. Well, that's a, 
that's me convinced. Unfortunately, I don't have anything new console, so I'll have to wait for the PC release. Mm-hmm. If, is there any talk about it coming to PC? There uh, is. I know? can't. I can't confirm it. Uh, I've been. I've been mm-hmm. listening for it. I've. I've heard that it's supposed to be coming to Xbox One as well. But all the advertisements are saying, play it first on PS4. Right. Which to me yes, says that it's going to be coming to something else, whether that be another console or whether that be PC. I would imagine both. Switch. <laughs> I can't imagine that the Switch would be able to handle this game, no, to be perfectly not. honest. Was this um, always well, a, a PlayStation exclusive? It was uh, up until Final Fantasy thirteen. Final Fantasy thirteen was available on Xbox consoles as well, and I think that came out on PC as well. I think twelve was always a PC game, wasn't it? I, I'm I not could sure. Be mistaken. I played it, but Why yeah, so I can, I can imagine that some section of fans might be annoyed if uh, if it comes to other consoles. Which again, I don't understand why people are. Oh, I don't understand that either. Did you see the video I, on YouTube with a guy that like yes, crashed his TV? Well, because that's because of Horizon or something. Horizon so, Zero Dawn I, was was released I, on PC, and he, and he's so mad that he destroyed his PS4 and TV, like. You're mad because more people get to have the same experience you do. What kind of, what kind of are you? <laughs> I don't understand two things that we just mentioned. I don't understand people who complain that there is an easy mode or a very easy mode in games because I would say to them, don't play it on those modes. Don't. If you want to play hard, go for it. If you want to play it easy, go for it. And then because they, Sorsha, people believe that these games are made only for them and nobody else. And they are yeah. they only the way they play it is the correct way. Well, they're sorry, they they are wrong. Games should be enjoyed by everybody. I I believe by avid gamers like us, or by casual players as well, or by people playing for the first time. I believe, and if there's an easy mode and a hard mode, an extra hard mode, extra easy mode, if you know, if, if as a gamer and if I were a developer, to, you know, as long as it doesn't uh, go against its objective, because of course, you know, you don't want games to try and appeal to everybody but they're not appealing to anybody but right. if they're because i know some adventure games have tried to appeal to maybe action games have put a bit of action or platforming and they haven't always worked but in the context of difficulty if a game is um easy as well i just don't understand because and i read again on twitter that someone said that um, oh, the very fact that other people might be playing this game on very easy will destroy my experience, and I don't understand that. How? At all. How does that? I don't understand. It. it is it is just like in the real world when somebody says, "Oh, if if other people can get to do this, then my uh, no, it doesn't my affect you. It's not no. like the the you get less of the pie. It's just you get more pie mm-hmm. to share exactly. with everybody. <laughs> it's, it oh. makes no sense. How does it's an it's an elitist mentality. There's a group. Exactly. There's a subset of people that believe that that uh, they were the first to experience this type of game, and they're willing to put forth the effort to do, like I mentioned earlier, you know, do things that some people aren't willing to do, and it feels rewarding. Mm. But when I was a kid, if there had been an easy mode version of Final Fantasy VII, I would have been sharing it with everybody because I wanted to share that story with other people. Yes, instead yes. of being made fun of for doing this dorky thing, which <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't cool to play video games when in the nineties, mm. you know, or, or especially in the eighties. But mm. if I could have found a way to share in my excitement with somebody else that may have not had the expertise or dexterity requirement in order to do, to experience some of these games, I would have been all about it. Exactly. But no. And, 
And and like with playing, you know, with adventure games when it comes out for PC, when I hear that they're coming to consoles, I don't think, oh no, I'm losing out. I think great, more people get to play these games. My, my first my first reaction was when I heard that Heaven's Gate was coming to uh, PlayStation. It was like cool. Heaven's Vault. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, Heaven's Vault. <laughs> I was like, cool. Now I know a few people right. who can get to play that game because they don't have a PC that can handle, or do they have a laptop or whatever. And mm. I heard that Disco Elysium is coming to Switch, and I'm like, oh, that is awesome, because now it, more people get to experience that amazing game. So I, I, it only helps your genre. I mean, if... if exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like with the uh, difficulty, before we finish up, uh, have you played The Long, the long Dark, uh, Scott? Have you heard of that game? I have not. Is that it's, a PC game? It, it is a PC game. I don't know if it's on consoles as well. I spoke about it, Thomas, last year. It's a survival horror set in the north of Canada in the middle of winter. So emphasis on survival. Okay. <laughs> and it's a post-apocalyptic game as well. So you, 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 you're playing crashes in the middle of the game. And so your objective is to is this survive. 2013? Uh, I believe so. I think they've updated. there. I think it was first released in 2013 just as a survival game with no story. Okay. They've since added a story. Um, 2017. It, it, is on, it is on console now. Oh, wow. That, well, that's great. Oh, sorry. I should say, God damn it. More people are going to play this game. No. <laughs> well done. <laughs> how, how dare developers try to get more people to play their game? Yeah. But it's the thing is, it's a very, very difficult game. It's a brutally difficult game, but the developers on their description on their Steam page now, they they advertise it as such. This is like they're saying this game is for hardcore gamers, but they have also included an easy option, which I played, but I still found it very difficult. <laughs> yeah, the easy so option I was was difficult, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I couldn't because I couldn't get past that bear. A bear kept killing me. And apparently after that section, there's another section with the bear, which is even more difficult. So I just stopped playing but if they added an even easier section i would be able to play it and finish it mm-hmm. so um so that's all what i wanted to say about that game that is made to be very difficult but even they have added an easy option an easier option for nice. people like me so hey before i before you guys let me go can i make one more recommendation of a yes, game go that, ahead. Uh, i have been playing a game that i and it's not an adventure game by any means but we well, have problems for that. So. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I reviewed a game for the Gaming Outsider called Round Guard. And have you ever played Peggle? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Well, anybody listening, if you have ever played Peggle and you like Peggle, Round Guard is a must-play game. It is Peggle with RPG mechanics, and it is an absolute joy to play. I actually just got the last achievement on xbox one uh last week i just could not stop playing it i was just addicted to it and it's fantastic so if you like peggle look up round guard it's a it's a it's a great little game it's not just on xbox it's on ps4 and ps and uh pc so uh if you yeah yes i think i remember you hearing you talk about it on the podcast but for yeah. people who don't know what peggle is uh what are in this game round guard what type of game is it uh Peggle is is best described as like a mixture between Plinko from The Price is Right and um, Pachinko. If you remember like a Pachinko machine, like Japanese, Japan made Pachinko machines really big. So there is a, it's a single screen that's filled with all these pegs. And at the top is a launcher that you can aim in any direction and you fire a metal ball 
and it bounces its way down and then eventually makes its way at the bottom. Now, in order to clear a board, you have to, you're, you're trying to aim at these specific colored pegs in order to clear them to clear and pass the next board. And then at the bottom is a rotating bucket that goes back and forth. And if your ball bounces into the bucket, not only do you get extra points, but you also get an additional turn. You have a limited amount of turns in order to do the board. That's like Peggle at its basics. There's a lot more mechanics going on in it. What they did in Round Guard is they turned it into, instead of pegs, the screen is filled with enemies. And your ball is now a either a rogue or a, a barbarian. I don't think it's called a barbarian. Or a wizard. And instead of just hitting these things, you were actually attacking them. And your character now has hit points. And there are potions and mana potions uh, scattered around them. And, and you should try to keep your stats up while killing all the enemies on the screen. And uh, acquiring new weapons and new gear. And it's just, it, you know, you've got a plus one to this and a plus five to that. It's it's an absolute joy to play. And it's it's like my favorite game of the year that nobody is talking about. <laughs> And I can't, wow, and I, okay. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Okay. So. And I'll definitely add a link to it on the, the show notes. It's but, so uh, satisfying. Yeah, I'll have to check well, it out myself. It's, if you haven't played Peggle, go get Peggle, man. That's like, you can get that for like five bucks now. Seriously. Is that available on PC? Yes, it is. That's actually, it came out on PC first and it's just start with Peggle actually, just so you can get an okay. idea of how that works because it's so cheap right now. But at some point, go back and pick up Round Guard because they've taken the formula and bumped it up to another level. Okay, cool. I'll definitely do that. I'll definitely check it out. And, uh, well, I think that's all the questions I have about Final Fantasy VII. I, I have a final question. Comments? Yes, go ahead. About Final Fantasy. A final question. Uh, I see final question. Hey. Yeah, does it have any, any analog clocks in it? <laughs> it? Analog clocks. There's a digital clock. Oh, okay. Uh, then you're then you're good, Sersha. No, you can't, you can't read an analog clock. No, I can. It's just that Thomas keeps bringing this up. Now no, we were playing can't. a game. We were playing a game, a puzzle game, an online co-op puzzle game, and I got confused at first with an analog clock. That it was just at the beginning, and also with the stress of trying to solve the puzzle and everything. Uh, but Thomas keeps saying to everyone that I can't read analog clocks. It was. Just at the very beginning, it was once. Well, I mean, twice. you guys have 24 instead of 12, so <laughs> it I was hilarious. It was yes. hilarious. <laughs> it makes it a little more difficult when you got to say, I, whenever I text you guys and I tell you what time it is, I, I instinctively say, like, it's, oh, it's 1700. I have to actually, like, do the math. I can't get used to, to 24 hour time, but I try to make I, it easier I, for you guys. <laughs> I kind of like you. I say it's 5 p.m., but. Oh, do uh, you? Yeah, All right. I mean, maybe it's just me. Um, I mean, don't give apparently according to Thomas, don't give it to me in an analog clock because apparently <laughs> I can't read it according to Thomas. But <laughs> man, you guys should have been streaming that. That'd be hilarious to see. Oh, that would, that's uh, one of the reasons there, why we weren't streaming it. No, there, there's a reason why I don't stream when I play games, mostly adventure games, because I do the dumbest crap when I play games. It's, uh, but um, no, but uh, hopefully when Final Fantasy VII comes out on PC, I'll be able to check it out. Well, you can I'm actually reading... check it out on the original on PC right now. And I know that you hate yeah, those, those uh, random battle encounters. Mm. The PC version actually has a built-in feature where you can turn off those random battle encounters. 
So oh, man, oh, this, search your space just lit up. <laughs> you're selling it because I would love to experience that again. You can turn that oh. off. You can also turn it so that the limit breaks are always on. So if you just want to like blast through the game, you can do so that. So again, if you wanted to focus on the narrative and the gameplay without the combat, you could. Now, I will warn you that if you just blast through the game like that, like I did, you'll hit a point where you're going to have need to have leveled up your materia. So don't rely on physical attacks or limit breaks to do that. Still use your magic abilities when you do that because you're gonna want you're gonna need some magical abilities when you get to later areas. So I would recommend doing that. But you can you can I, I mean I know that the random encounters suck, but at some point they're a necessary evil because you need to level up your character. Yes, yes, you need to. That's what I was going to ask as well to be able to fight the bosses later on in mm -hmm. particular. But you can also turn on you can turn the speed up. So when you actually are walking around the map, he'll walk faster. Plus, the battles actually move at like twice the speed too, so you can kind of, you know, fly through it a little bit. So yeah, and that's actually been a staple on the PC version for a while, and they carried that over to the console versions, which came out last year. Nice. Okay, I might have to check it out then. Maybe once I play Disco Elysium, which Thomas and Laura keep bugging me to play. Yeah, which... thank you for giving me that game, Scott, because it's one of the best games I've ever played. That's oh, awesome. You the one? Were you the one who gave Thomas the, the game? I am. It was, uh, well, I believe well it was a Christmas gift, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank I, you. I, I think that's one of the best presents he ever got because he keeps talking about yes. it. So Great so success. Thomas, no, no pressure, but I'd be curious to know what you'll be getting, Scott, uh, next Christmas to, to, to compare. <laughs> but <laughs> so well, he, he got, You got uh, Fallen Order from me. Yeah, I did. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, you kind of. I I still have to play that as well. I I got that so because of, which I got from Thomas as well. Thank you, Thomas, for that. I still have to play that myself after Disco Elysium. I might play that. Drop that that's to easy as well. Time. Yes, that's <laughs> that's what I plan on doing. Just breathe. Yeah, if you've never like played that. a Souls like game, you're gonna want to turn the difficulty down in that game because no. I even struggle. I mean, I'm not a Souls guy anyway, but mm. that that game requires some some incredible dexterity for the bosses. Right. Okay. That's. Uh, I'll definitely be playing it on easy. So, uh, I, I was already playing it on easy, and I still couldn't get anywhere. So, <laughs> it's, it's, it's still tough. tough. It's, it's not. It's not impossible. There's a reason it, why I play adventure games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs> oh well, maybe we can discuss that next. But uh, yeah, again, that's uh, that's all the questions I have for Scott. Do you have any actual questions, Thomas? <laughs> Yeah, well, Scott, if people want to hear more from your uh, love of games, where yes. can they find you? Oh, boy, thank you so much for asking. If you like my beautiful radio <laughs> DJ voice and would like to hear more about video games, uh, you can check out my podcast. It's called The Gaming Outsider. We are on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts. We are on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We've also got a website where we house all of our, all of our uh, shows as well as all of our written reviews, which Thomas actually writes for. Uh, reviews for us. You can read his reviews there at thegamingoutsider.com. We've also got a Twitter handle, which is at the GoCast. And we've got a Facebook group with a great community of people, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the GoCast. We've got a Discord community. You can find a link to that on our website. And we've got a Patreon. If you if you like our show and would like to hear some bonus content from us, we do uh, random episodes where we talk about crappy games that we force each other to play. Uh, we talk about legacy games. Uh, we, we have a segment called Break the Seal where somebody from our team plays a game 
uh, an iconic game that nobody's ever played before. Like Christina from our team is playing uh, Final Fantasy VII for the first time. She's never played it. Uh, she's going to do an episode. And then we've also got uh, what we call a retro outsider, where we play some retro game from like the NES, SNES, or any era. And uh, we talk about that too. And it's patreon.com forward slash the GoCast. And uh, it helps us keep the show running. So we'd appreciate the, the support. Nice. Yes. No, I, sometimes Thomas uh, appears on your podcast as well. I don't know if that would be considered a good thing or a bad thing. But... Oh, it's a great thing. He reviews those. <laughs> like whenever I get a point and click adventure, I, I send it you to him and say, hey, you want to play this? And usually say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, I, pulled I through find in a it clutch. very hard to say no to Scott. <laughs> hey, and I've come through in the clutch for you on, on an occasion, too. You've asked me to find a, a copy of a game for you, and I found yeah. it, right? Yeah, the complex I yeah. got through you, so that's what mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about next week. Nice. Yeah, nice. Um, no, no, definitely. Uh, well, Thomas, I, th- I think I stole him from you guys then for for the Adventure Games podcast, but uh, he still appears from time to time. But no, I, I listen to your podcast as well, which I really enjoy and really recommend people to listen to it as well. And um, and yeah, I think that's, that's all that we have. Uh, hopefully we can make this a regular feature. I'd love to speak to you again. Uh, hopefully sooner than the last time, because uh, when you're playing a narrative game, you, they still haven't released The Last of Us Part 2, because I'd be very curious to know your opinion on on that when it's released, right? Yeah, the, uh, the second delayed. one has been delayed indefinitely, unfortunately. Right, that's because of the COVID-19, I believe uh, you yes. guys were saying. Correct, yeah. Well, maybe when, when it's eventually released and when you guys have played it, hopefully we can get you and maybe Zach and Chris, maybe we could talk about it as I'd well. I'd actually like to do a replay of the original if I if sure, I we could. get some time, because that I know that's a very stealth heavy game, but that is mm. a narrative based game for sure. Nobody right. nobody is playing Last of Us for the awesome stealth mechanics. People are playing right. that game because the story is incredible. And if you don't believe me, just play the first twenty minutes of that game and oh, tell me that you're not I on just, board. I just saw the the gameplay on YouTube, but I was like, yeah, the story is great. The the gameplay was like, oh, I can kind of do without it, maybe. But mm-hmm. the story, that first intro scene is just it's it's incredible. Gut punch. Yes, and then of course the whole story, and then there's moments in that as well, and then the ending, which one of the want. best endings of a video game story. Absolutely. Like it almost doesn't um, need a sequel. Like it, I would have been happy if they ended there. But, yes, but I'll take more. <laughs> yeah no hopefully the sequel looks good so so yeah if you do replay the first game and when you do play the second game i'd be very happy to have you once again on the podcast to talk about it anytime i yeah. got nothing but time now till uh, april 30th oh, i know so. <laughs> it's uh yeah s- similar here so yeah, we have been extended till may 5th so have you yeah. i i can't imagine we won't but uh, i'll, I'll yeah, talk to you guys more about that after the show yeah well, um, stay well, that, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, and play games. Yes, yeah, and listen to podcasts—at least our two podcasts. <laughs> so, th- thank you very much, Scott. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> All right, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to talk with you both, and I look forward to doing it again sometime. So that was our review of Final Fantasy VII Remake with Scott Clark from the Gaming Outsider. Huge thank you to Scott for joining us. It's Great to speak to him, and I hope to speak to him again very soon. And I would recommend that people listen to the Gaming Outsider podcast. They speak about general games, but it's really great listening to them every week. So I'd recommend people check that podcast out. Thomas also appears every so often on that podcast, and you can find 
uh, their website, GamingOutsider.com, where Thomas also writes reviews for them for adventure games every so often as well. So that is it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this kind of special episode. And next week, Laura, Thomas, and I will be back. We will be reviewing actual adventure games. So um, please join us then. And if you want to help us out, you can help us out on patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. This is an independent podcast. We do all the work and we do all the, we pay for everything ourselves. So if you would like to help out, that would be great. It's already thanks to the subscribers that we have now that we're able to record some of the interviews using Squadcast, which helps improve the audio and also helps me to edit it's a lot lot quicker and a lot easier to edit using squadcast and that is only thanks to the very kind subscribers from patreon now of course if you're unable to subscribe that is uh, no problem whatsoever but you can still help us out in other ways if you enjoy this podcast you can share the links to the episodes or to the website or the podcast on social media and reddit and forums as well that would also be a huge help for ourselves and for adventure game developers that appear on the show and uh for this you know podcast as well and also you can write a review on apple podcasts or wherever you can write reviews it really really helps us as well you can also check the link in the show notes for ratemypodcast.com and that will help you uh tell you where you can write reviews so it can be even one or two lines doesn't have to be long but that really helps to get the word out about the podcast as well so uh, thank you everyone again for listening it really means a lot you can also get in touch with us if you have any questions or feedback if you enjoy this particular episode if you want to hear more from scott or from other people other guests as well um, if there's anybody in particular you would like to hear from or if you would like to join the show please let us know if you are a reviewer of narrative games or a developer. Please let us know and we'll be happy to speak. So please stay safe, everyone. So thank you again for listening. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a review on itunes if you can as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at advent game pod and follow me on facebook at adventure games podcast you can also follow me on instagram at adventure games podcast as well and we're also on discord at adventure games podcast so if you are a adventure game developer or adventure game player you can follow us there so again please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you